And now another edition of Traveling with Paul Lasley and Elizabeth Harriman. Every edition of Traveling with Paul Lasley and Elizabeth Harriman airs weekdays on the American Forces Network in countries around the world. Each show is also available as a podcast at ontravel.com and at iTunes. Just use the keyword on travel. Here's Paul and Elizabeth. Some amazing places in the world that you most likely will never visit. But that's coming up today on Traveling. It should be a lot of fun. I'm Elizabeth Harriman. And I'm Paul Leslie. And we have the irrepressible, the absolutely irrepressible Max Hartshorn. Max, I did that right, didn't you I? You did that right. You know, Max just told me how to pronounce his name, and it's totally different than what I thought. Max is uh, one of our wonderful correspondents. He has GoNomad.com, and he He's is... editor. He's oh. editor of GoNomad.com, travels all over the world, but you sadly have been mispronouncing his name. His name is Max Hartshorn. Which he is holding, holding against me. <laughs> well, we finally found out, because sure. you had been saying Hartshorn, which is not... It's not like not you correct. shear a sheep. No, it's Hartshorn, like... Horn of a heart. Max yes. Hartshorn, welcome back to traveling. Oh, it's great to be back. And I wish I had been traveling this year, but you know, we're going to have a little fun and talk about some places that I'm probably not going to go, but I think it's interesting for all of us to think about the armchair travel that we can do in the next couple of months. Yes. Well, well certainly in the next couple of weeks. I hope it isn't a whole like couple of months, but I guess we don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, but, but it is a good time to contemplate armchair travel, or Paul likes to call it traveling in place, because, you know, some people are having to shelter in place. And uh, Paul's saying, well, while you're sheltering in place, uh, travel in place through books, through movies, and through some interesting articles that you have found. Tell us a little bit about where you found these articles. Yeah, you know, I, I was putting together something for one of our favorite clients, Allianz uh, Travel Insurance, and we talked about maybe putting together something that would give us a little bit of a, of a selection of places that while you may not go there, you might want to read about them and maybe someday maybe even think about them. And I think a lot of travel, you know, as we pu- we're still publishing articles every day on Go Nomad with a little bit of, of sadness, obviously sadness and regret. But I have put a little notice on the top of all of our stories that said, we understand these aren't about today's travels. These aren't about next week's travels. But let's enjoy the places that are in the world, the people are living their lives where we might want to go. And now one place that you actually were not allowed to go, you could not get a tourist visa, was the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And now the kingdom has opened up quite a bit. I was in World Travel Market in London in November, and they had some gigantic booths and big, big promotions to to emphasize this new city that they're building in Saudi Arabia. It's, it's quite a project by Prince Mohammed bin Salman. And uh, so it got me thinking about what it would be like to visit this country where there's restrictions that are almost like medieval restrictions against women. Well, you know, we've got to give the folks in Saudi Arabia a tiny bit of credit. They're catching up to the rest of the Middle East and, and opening up their country to tourism. Now, when I've talked to some people, some of the bloggers I've talked to have even said, oh, you shouldn't even write about that. You shouldn't ever promote them because of what they do to gay people, which is pretty bad, and what they do to, to women. But I think that I'm still fascinated with the country, and we've got an article coming out in April about the art of Saudi Arabia and some of the galleries that you can visit in Saudi Arabia, of all things. 
Well, it is a remarkable <clears throat> country. We have not been there, although I was actually invited there. Yes, pointedly, Hall was invited. Many years ago. But as you so uh, rightly point out, Marx, I was not welcome. What did the guy on the plane say to you? He said, that would be most unfortunate. Yeah, because we invited Paul to come to Saudi Arabia, and Paul said, well, you know, I work with my wife, and, uh, and, and he said exactly what you said. That would be most unfortunate. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Evidently, I guess they're changing a little bit. I don't, you know, I can't speak to it. but No, I can is... speak to it. They're changing a lot. I give them major credit. They now have tourist visas. They now have a, in place um, tours to the El Ul area. There's a, a remarkable part of Saudi Arabia down in the south of Saudi Arabia, which I've been told it makes Petra look small. I mean, it's, ah. it's better than Petra. And you probably have been to Petra, you guys. Um, no, we haven't, but we know. Uh, but it, I mean, you know, neither. Know I've never been there, but I was, yeah. yeah, I was told by a pretty experienced travel writer, Richard, um, Richard, somebody rather, who, Richard Bang, who said oh, it's yeah. just, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like um, visiting Petra without any crowds. Mm -hmm. And of course, women with headscarves. But anyway, the article that we've got coming out talks a little bit about some of the things that have changed in Saudi Arabia, you know, for the better. First of all, they're opening up many movie theaters in Saudi Arabia, which is interesting. I mean, Saudi Arabia is going to have 40 AMC movie theaters over the next couple of years wow. in 15 different cities. So in five years, there'll be 40 AMC theaters. And you imagine, I mean, these people are very worried about things in terms of showing certain things. You imagine there's going to be some serious censorship on these movies. I was movies. just going to say, probably not a lot of Hollywood movies. I think it's Saudi youth. Saudi's filled with people who are under 30. It's, it's, that's mm. the biggest number of people there is younger people. And they love American culture. I remember going to school when I was in boarding school with some Saudi Arabians, and they just they just couldn't get enough of the American culture. They love it, despite whatever we say about the government. So they're yeah. going to be able to go to movies in Saudi Arabia, which will be fun. And then there's also some art galleries that um, my writer picked out. Mary Jo Martin, who's there, a young woman from America, picked out five um, art galleries that she visited in Jeddah and in Riyadh. And I was always told that Jeddah is the funner of the two. Riyadh is a little strict. It's a capital city, and a Jeddah is on the water, and it's a little more relaxed than than the more strict Riyadh, where people don't. Now, uh, now how did she how did she find Saudi Arabia as traveling well, as I a think, woman? Uh, the article, what she says, she she just loved it. She she met some artists. She visited different different um, a family owned art space. She went to there's some nice looking galleries. And, you know, I think that she's been one of these people that probably is really trying to give it a chance and trying to open up and say, hey, you know, like, I mean, she, she's um, a woman from New Jersey, a freelance writer and Mary Jo Martin. Um, and I think that, you know, just sort of shows you that if, if Mary Jo Martin can go visit Saudi Arabia and visit art galleries, you know, maybe someday one of our or two of our readers will be able to do that. <laughs> That's it, right. It may, uh, it may as well. And, of course, I think Saudi Arabia – is dealing with the reality of uh, less oil and this sort of thing. And I've heard that they are literally putting hundreds of billions of dollars into tourism and cities and that sort of thing. Yes, and, and Middle Eastern art is absolutely spectacular. Oh. So visiting the art galleries would be you know, That's one right. of the wonderful things to and do you know, in Saudi I wanted, Arabia. I, and, and we hadn't planned <clears throat> this at all because we didn't know the involvement of Allianz. Mm. But the fact is that we, our annual travel insurance policy for years has been with Allianz, and uh, we find we've never had to use it, thank heaven, 
but we find them very reliable. They get great uh, reputation, mm -hmm. and we have uh, Dan DeRazzo from frequently Allianz, on the show. On the show, yeah, and of course, people uh, travel insurance is is on everybody's mind today because of coronavirus, and everybody wants to know if it will if your policy will cover coronavirus and. And then the answer is always, well, that depends. I mean, if you bought <laughs> read, it... Read the fine print. Read the fine print. If you bought it before it was a, quote, known risk, you might be covered. If you bought it after, well, probably not. But the main thing is, you know, read the... As you say, read the fine print. Be sure you're covered for what you want to be covered for. But regardless, um, more people than ever today, uh, even before this coronavirus, were and are buying travel insurance because... You know, travel insurance is for things, the unexpected. Um, what's next on the list, Max Hartzorn? Well, to really put it into a place where you're really not going to go, how about Antarctica? How about meeting a couple? How about meeting Chris and Marty, a married couple who had living their regular lives, and they decided that they really were just weighed down with all the hassles, and they decided they really wanted to go somewhere before their aging bodies and before the warming continent got any worse. Uh -huh. So they went to Antarctica, and I have an article coming out, a wonderful story about the folks. It's actually an excerpt from a book. It's about two people, a couple from a suburban couple. It's called The Expedition, Two Parents Risk Life and Family in an Extraordinary Quest to the South Pole. And I think one of the things that's amazing about this is just why they would want to do this. Like, really? You want to do this? And why would you want to do that? And second of all, they did it without support. They just figured out a way to go to the South Pole and ski across the South Pole. It was just extraordinary. Wow. They just they skied themselves by themselves without like a whole entourage or anything? Exactly. They skied 570 miles from the edge of Antarctica to the, to the actual South Pole where there's a marker that's the magnetic South Pole. So they did it. They, they, they are from the Pacific Northwest, and they just decided, you know, they did three years. It took all this time to plan and make meticulous preparations, and they even had to take, get somebody to take care of their 12-year-old boy. But they got all that squared away, and they got these 220-pound sleds, and they started skiing. And, you know, it, what you do up there when you're, I should say, when you do down there, uh -huh. um, what you do is you, you ski and you pull these sleds across the, um, the snow. So it, a 220-pound sled isn't as bad as it sounds because you're pulling it over ice and snow. So yeah. you're not, you know, you're dragging to, it through the Yeah, but you're on skis, so you don't want to, like, you know, you have to, like, not fall off. So, I mean, it's still, well, you have exactly to be in really right. good shape. This assumes that you're not married to me <laughs> and you can ski. You can ski, yeah. That's right. Paul and I don't. don't we, it was we cross have, country. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have done cross country skiing. I go shh, shh, plop. <laughs> yes. It's that simple. So, it he, so he doesn't make a much. lot of time. And it's very rhythmic. Yeah. <laughs> shh, shh, well, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people do like um to read about um difficult encounters that people do, and sort of uh, you know just in the comfort and warmth of your own house. Think about minus thirty degree weather. Uh, the beautiful, I mean, it is one of the most beautiful places on earth. I've been told about that in Antarctica. Some of my writers have told me, I've never been that interested in going to Antarctica, but I've been told that it's one of the most amazing things and the most dramatic places and that you would never forget a minute in Antarctica compared to hours in other places. Yeah. But now, that's what I was told. Well, absolutely. People, because there are, you can visit Antarctica. And I think I, I would like to go to Antarctica, but you can go there like on a ship and you don't actually... 
that's different from actually skiing to the north to the South Pole. Uh, but they probably yeah. went there on a ship. And, off, and, <laughs> and then, then ski, skiing. perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Either that or they water skied to enter. Oh, well, yeah. Talking, hearing about them, I wouldn't put it past them. They probably, but they'd have a whole series on YouTube. <laughs> they probably do. Well, but, you uh, know, uh, yeah. Max is going to find our next destination. Yes. After, uh, but after in the meantime, as he, uh, yeah, uh, we're going we're gonna to look forward to that in a minute. I think it has to do with India. India. I've in, never been to India, India either. But you know, uh, there was that amazing movie about Shackleton. Who, speaking oh, of right. uh, explorers to the of, South saved Pole, all of his people after the ship yeah. was wrecked in the ice. What an amazing! Like there was an amazing film uh, about it that came out a few years ago. But you and know his what? His boat, which and is just this little tiny, tiny. boat, yeah. he got everybody to South Georgia, uh -huh. or one of those islands out there, and then they got arrested. Saved all of them. It, that was it saved all. It's one of the most heroic. Amazing marine rescue thing yeah. ever. And if you watch, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. So our so okay. So as we're now we're, we've we've been to the deserts of Saudi Arabia. We went down to the incredibly thirty degrees below zero South Pole, and now we're going to cover the entire almost the entire length of India on a luxury train called the Deccan Odyssey. Mm. Now this is a very very fancy train. This is not just some kind of, you know, you've seen those pictures in Italy, India, where the people are riding on the outside of the train, you know, yes. and thousands of people on the top of the train, on the sides yes. of the train. Well, that doesn't happen when you're on the Deccan Odyssey. This is a, a magnificent luxury train that is uh, goes from Mumbai, which is the capital of, of India, down to Goa which is way, way down in the south of India. It's a very a beach destination in the south. So you go from the most incredible, dense city of Mumbai all the way down. For, I think it must take many, many, you know, a couple of days to go down to Goa on the, to, in the south of India. And it's sort of, they call this a little bit later, sort of like the blue train. The blue it's train the of blue India. Train. Yeah, because the blue, yeah, blue exactly. train is, of course, the famous south, uh, uh, famous train in South Africa. And, of course, Agatha Christie wrote one of her mysteries, The Mystery of the Blue Train. Yeah, and the yeah. Orient Express, you know, those are, they have, they're sort of a, a, a there's a, um, a standard, which is, you know, the, for the ultra luxury. But the article that's coming out in April on Go Nomad is a story that we re republishing because it's been updated. Um, it's just the about the, the 60 mile an hour train that goes through Maharashtra and Mar Maharashtra and it goes all the way down to that Portugal influence Goa, which is really that was their their colony. So you still get people speaking in Portuguese in Goa. It's apparently just one of the most relaxing places. I don't think people think about India as being a place where you go to the beach, but I've seen these pictures of these beaches in Goa. It is absolutely wonderful. And so, you know, you board this train and you have a beautiful, you know, it's very proper. I mean, the photographs you'll see are just dramatic photographs of the train itself and the luxury that you are treated to and your valet. Of course, every car has its own valet and they're always on call. They bring you tea and whatever you need. Um, but the, the story really just is a, a simple story about, about a, 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 the day and what you can see on your way down in that magnificent country. I'm sorry that I have never been to India because I got a chance to go to India and I was invited on a trip and I broke my foot and I couldn't go. And I was very disappointed in that. Oh, well, someday you'll well, get to India. Well, now, this I is one I of did. the things that we've said 
so many times, and the reason we're so happy to have Max Hartshorn on uh, traveling as one of our correspondents is that Go Nomad does some amazing stories yeah. about destinations around the All world. All over the world. It makes it one of the most varied and in-depth websites that we know about. And it's it just is remarkable because... I've heard of other luxury trains in India. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of one that goes south. Yeah. Uh, there there are several that go, or one at Elsewhere. least, that goes all the way north to Assam and the mm. tea plantations. And I think it goes up to 7,000 feet or something. Mm. You know, it was quite, quite... Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, the only thing about this that I think, I, I think that I might feel a little funny is that I think that the level, it's over the top, you know, five-star luxury. And you're going through towns and villages where people are scratching out uh, an existence in yeah. two hours a day. So there's a, that. I mean, India really has that incredible mixture of the absolute rich and the absolute poor, and the whole world's like that. And it always sort of upsets me that there's very little balance in places yes. like this. I mean, we're heading towards that in our country. This crazy division between the rich and the rich and the rest of us. Right. But I think again, you know, if you wanted wanted to see the whole length of India and be able to really enjoy such a spectacular amount of scenery, and the place where you're going to go, Goa is just. So amazing. We have a story right now. If you're interested in Goa, our, one of our writers is named Sue McKee. And she wrote a story about Goa that's already published. So you could go to Go Nomad and pull up the article. GOA is the, the, the town mm-hmm. and the, the city of Goa. So if you want to read a little bit about that, you can. But it's just fun that it goes by so many you know of these famous places like Pune. Pune is the capital of Ma. Marathas, and and there's museums there. I mean, some of the history of India is so dense and so fascinating. You really could just go down the rabbit hole reading about what all the different kingdoms that they used to be in India and all the different power struggles that before they became the united country of India. But um, a lot of fun, you know, just being able to read through these things and read and learn about where you could go. And or, it's going to be, yes. you know, it leads us to our next destination. Which is? Which is almost less more inhospitable than any of the destinations we've talked about so far. Know where it is? It is Siberia. Mm. Yes. I, Do you I know there are companies that go to Siberia in the winter? Because yes. it's so cold, they want to experience, like the companies that go to the probably, places that are the hottest? Probably the same people who like to go to Death Valley in, the, in, in, in the summer. So <laughs> tell us about the story about Siberia. Okay, well, again, one of these places that we're probably never going to go. And the the writer, I love this writer. She is so intrepid. She's a writer, and her name is uh, her name is Victoria Krasiuk, and she's from Saint Petersburg. She's a young woman. She's in her thirties. She's from Saint Petersburg, Russia, and she she went to she turned me on to a place I never knew, the Altai. Republic. That's A L T A I Republic. It's a it's a part again. You know, Russia it was always a bunch of small federations and so forth. And this was you know it's now part of the, the Russia, the country of Russia. But if you looked at a map and you put in Altai Republic, that's the south part of Siberia, oh and it's it, it's got these these beautiful, amazing mountains, tundra, alpine lakes. And it's considered one of the most biodiverse places on Earth, and they have snow leopards there, oh. and and remarkable huge mountains. So you know, so you think about your setting. Your setting is just in the south of Siberia. And if you on the article that we're publishing in April, there's a map. And if you looked at the corner of Kazakhstan and Mongolia, 
they meet in a little place. The, the, the country of Mongolia touches the country of Kazakhstan just barely. And right in that little nook, that little valley there, is the Altai Republic. Oh. I mean, the photographs are stunning. This was, a young woman was a really amazing photographer. She takes dramatic pictures. She says the daily temperature in this part of the uh, world never gets above 25 centigrade. And at night, it gets down to about minus five centigrade. So mm-hmm. pretty cold, you know, but not as cold as, you know, you not think. As cold I don't you might think, that, yeah. Not, not as cold not as, as perhaps cold. Antarctica. I don't think that's as cold as the north of Siberia. And I've yeah. read, we have a number, you know, it's for, for some reason, Siberia has been an area that's been a great interest to go nomad writers. Mm. So if you wanted to read anything about Siberia, we have an excerpt of Jeffrey Taylor's book about taking this incredibly godforsaken trip across Siberia with these two crazy Russians. We have some other stories about um, a company called, um, there's a company called Secret Compass in the UK, and they specialize in those kind of journeys you were talking about, Elizabeth, those absolutely crazy things that people do. They take people to Afghanistan, the, the Kurdish region of Afghanistan for hiking. They go to Iran. These people are fearless. But, um, you know, just so just to give a little more about this Altai Republic, one of the things they have there are these geyser lakes, these lakes mm-hmm. that have these colors in them. Um, and people say, say you could swim in it, but it's pretty darn cold. Yeah. And I can't imagine anybody swimming in it. People but, swim um, in Antarctica, too, but that's a whole other thing. They do? That's true. Listen, they do. They, Max, somehow they do. Max, we only we are, have about yeah. a couple minutes left. So just briefly um, tell us about the – the uh, last of the stories. And, and give okay. us the information well, about logging on to the Yeah, a, a place that you're likely not to ever go to, but you want to read about. <laughs> yes, the, the last place might be. Well, I think this place was more likely that you might want to go yeah, there. It's actually. a part of Japan, and it's called Kanu. Uh, what's the name of it? It's, <laughs> it's a part of Japan. Kakunodate, I think. Exactly. It's, and it's, that is the apparently the most um, popular and as far as travel to places that have history in Japan, um, you know, the, the history goes back to this the Shogun era. So mm-hmm. this is a part of Japan where you can visit the areas of the Edo when the Edo was the government of Japan and the samurai learn about the samurais and how the samurais lived. And again, it's called a castle town. Mm-hmm. So this town gives you a chance. Kakunadate founded 400 years ago one of the best preserved samurai districts of Japan. So, you know, if you wanted to see some Japanese history, learn a little bit about that, that's the part of Japan that you might go to. And, you know, you'd see some amazing things, old feudal homes being built in the same way they used to build them. So maybe that's going to be our last place when you get everything up and running, we'll go. <laughs> okay. Uh, there you go. Well, they all sound fascinating. And uh, Max Hartshorn it, is, Hartshorn, it has been delightful to have you on again. You can read these about these places starting in April. You can read lots of other fascinating stories on Go Nomad right now. The website is gonomad.com, and Max Hartshorn is the editor. Max, thank you so much for being with us again on Traveling. Safe travels to everybody, and remember, it's all about the armchair. It's not about tomorrow. Okay, and thank you for being with us. I'm Elizabeth Harriman. I'm Paul Lasley. Stay safe. Join Paul and Elizabeth at any time since each episode of Traveling is available as a podcast on iTunes, keyword on travel, and at ontravel.com. You can join the global community on Twitter and Facebook at ontravelmedia.com. 
and you can email at traveling at ontravel.com. Your suggestions for show topics and comments are always welcome. Join us next time on the American Forces Network and at ontravel.com. I'm Fred Sater.